Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Pastor Chris. Today we're wrapping up our series called The Journey. And uh, each week of this series, we've taken a, a different look at, it, at an encounter that Jesus had on his journey to the cross. And as always, our prayer is that Jesus' journey, what he said, what he taught, the people that he interacted with will intersect with your journey and as a result, change your life. And that's what we're all about here at Coastal, life change. Well, today in this journey, we find ourselves in John chapter 13. It is the day before Jesus' death. Let me ask you a question. As Jesus prepares his disciples, his friends, for what's coming, for the storm that's ahead, what do you think they really need at this point? Here's what I think. They need the same thing that every generation of followers of Jesus has needed. They need the same thing that you and I need today. Not more doom and gloom, not just an, another emotional pep talk, not parting gifts or money. They need a deeper understanding of the gospel and our mission in the world. And that's exactly what Jesus gives to them and to us today. John chapter 13, verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. You know, there's a little footnote there at the end of verse 1 in the New Living Translation, and it says this, or he now showed them the full extent of his love. Wow. I mean, you think about that. That, that is how important this next little encounter really is. In, in literally the, the last hours before his arrest, before his crucifixion, Jesus says that he's now about to show his friends, his disciples, his followers, and us today the full extent of his love. So follow along as I read. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over doesn't need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put it on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. 
I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. You know, it really is one of those moments in the, in the life of Jesus that is just so amazing and so countercultural that I think it's almost impossible for us to wrap our minds around what's happening here. You know, Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room, and, and more than likely because this is a rented space, there's no servant or slave standing nearby to wash everyone's feet. And of course, you know, none of the disciples are going to lower themselves to do something in their mind, you know, that was so beneath them. So while the evening meal was being served, Jesus got up, took off his, his outer robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and filled a basin with water. Now I can imagine that at this point, the disciples are looking at each other in complete shock and disbelief, thinking, now, he couldn't possibly be about to do what it looks like he's about to do. I mean, there's no way. And sure enough, one by one by one, Jesus washes their feet. I mean, this whole moment would have just blown their minds. And, and it becomes obvious from their uh, exchange and interaction with Jesus that they really have no clue to what's going on. In fact, Jesus said, hey, you don't get this now, what I'm doing, but later, one day, you will. Now, honestly, I don't think we get it either. You know, mainly because of the whole disconnect with the um, foot washing thing, okay? But in that culture, in that day, it was a very, very common practice. You know, they walked everywhere they went. Naturally, by the time they got to wherever they were going, uh, their feet would be covered with mud or dust and dirt. And, and sandals, of course, did very little to, you know, keep the dirt off of their feet. And the roads were either very muddy or very dusty, depending on the season of the year and the, the weather. So at the entrance of every good Jewish home, there'd be this large pot of water to wash dirty feet. Now, Guess who had that job? Not the kids, servants. But not just any servant. In fact, it's clear in New Testament times that there were these uh, basically various uh, levels of authority and responsibility uh, of servants. Uh, there were servants who might have managed entire households, and then there were servants who lived the lowly life of a slave. And the job of washing people's dirty, stinky, smelly feet before they ate was reserved for the lowest of low slaves. Well, evidently, when they entered the upper room, there wasn't a slave or a servant there to wash their feet. Now, don't forget, only days earlier, Jesus had said this to his, his disciples. In Matthew 20, 26 and 27, it says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your, what? Servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Now, maybe had they remembered that, you know, maybe one of them would have gotten up and, you know, washed the other's feet. Or at least you'd kind of think, well, maybe it'd be like a, you know, a shared responsibility. Could have been a really cool thing, a special moment for the disciples, you know, washing each other's feet. But apparently, they weren't thinking about that. They're only thinking about themselves. 
In fact, the other gospels that mention this story kind of clue us in a little bit as to what's happening here. Uh, Luke, the gospel of Luke tells us that the disciples were actually having an argument uh, over which one of them would end up being the greatest, you know, the goat, the greatest of all time. And then Mark tells us that James and John, uh, they'd actually gone to Jesus privately, kind of uh, jockeying for uh, prominent positions in Jesus's, you know, one day future uh, cabinet. I mean, honestly, it's, it's like there are a bunch of selfish little children arguing about who is going to get to sit in the front seat of the car. Now, you know, before we all gang up on these prideful, selfish, immature disciples, can we all just lay our cards on the table and be brutally honest with each other? We are just like them. I mean, isn't it so easy just to think about ourselves instead of thinking about other people? You know, it's, it's easy to, to get upset about things that we deem beneath us. You know, everything, everything in our world today is so geared toward appearances and, and position and prominence and power. And the truth is, none of us are naturally inclined toward servanthood. You know, we tend to think of ourselves as, you know, movers and shakers. Then, you know, the big word today is influencer instead of servant. And the disciples were no different. You know, none of them were about to, you know, get down on the ground and, and wash anybody's feet. But the basin was there. You know, the towel was there. In fact, everything, everything was ready, but no one, no one made a move in that direction. No one, that is, except for Jesus. Now, don't miss this. Okay, Jesus, you see, this is the Lord, the Lord God Almighty. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah, the promised King. He is the creator of everything that is. And he is the one, not the disciples, he is the one that got up from the meal, dressed like a household slave, poured water into a basin, got down on the floor, and began to wash their dirty, nasty, stinky feet, one by one by one. You see, this, this really is a defining moment. Why? I mean, what in the world is Jesus getting at? What is he trying to teach them and teach us? Well, I think Jesus is revealing that servanthood, servanthood, it is the primary position and responsibility of those who follow Jesus. Go back to verses 14 and 15. Jesus said, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, there are some people today, I think, who misunderstand this to mean that Jesus was literally talking and encouraging the, the practice of washing feet. And so there are people today who kind of continue to engage in the ceremony of foot washing. And, you know, to some extent, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It can be a very, you know, beautiful picture and symbol of, of servanthood and humility. But I think they're missing the point. You know, the point that Jesus was trying to make goes way beyond just a ceremony. In fact, notice the word example there in verse 15. I've given you an example to follow. And he says, do not what I have done for you, but what's the next word? What does he say? Do as I have done to you. In other words, don't you see? It's, it's the example that we're to follow, not the ceremony. It's his service, his servanthood. 
Verse 17, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. What's, what's he saying is that ultimately, okay, fulfillment, and you call that whatever you want to, fulfillment, happiness, meaning, it comes from giving our lives away and serving other people. That's it. You know, and, and if we're calling ourselves followers of Jesus, you see, we shouldn't be looking for ways, you know, to wash our hands of situations. And I know that sounds like a, a, you know, silly thing to say in today's environment, but it's true. Listen, we shouldn't be looking for ways to wash our hands. What I'm saying today is that we should be looking for ways to get our hands dirty. Listen to me, Coastal. I want you to hear something. This, this environment that we're in right now, this time that we are in, I believe that this is our defining moment. You know, this, this crisis that the world is facing together and everybody is looking, I believe that Jesus is trying to remind his church, his people, that it's not our ceremonies or our services that will make the greatest impact in the world today. And listen, you know what? I love our services. Oh my goodness, I do. I, I love what we do together on Sunday mornings and I miss it. I do. I can't wait, man, until we're all back together. I mean, I don't like preaching to an empty room. I can't wait till we're all back together for our services. And you know what? A lot of churches today are spending an awful lot of time, money, effort, and energy trying to figure out right now their services. And to an extent, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we've been trying to do the same thing. We're all in that boat trying to figure that out. But Coastal, I want you to hear this. Listen to me loud and clear. Ultimately, it's not our services that are going to change the world. It's not our, you know, lights and programming and live streaming that one day the, the world is going to stand up and take notice of. Don't you see, years from now, after this crisis is over, the world is not going to look back on this time and say about the church, say about you as a believer, or the people, the Christians of this generation, wow, man, they had a great live stream. No, it's our service, our servanthood. Don't you see? It's still loving and serving our neighbors. It's, it's getting down on the floor, picking up that towel and basin and washing the dirty, stinky, smelly feet of the world around us where you live, work, and play. In other words, it is still, still all about being like Jesus and meeting the needs of the people in our community. Listen, there's no doubt ser serving is hard. It's tough, it's messy, there's not a lot of applause in it. You know, it's time consuming, it takes time and effort and energy and money, and then what do you do? I mean, somebody hurts your feelings while you're trying to, trying to serve, or maybe they don't you know, respond in the way that you think they ought to. You know what? It's tempting then to give up. It is, you know, to, to throw in the towel. But coastal significance only comes from service. That's exactly what Jesus is getting at here. We've got, to, we've got to give our lives away in order to find them. If you want to be great, you've got to become a servant. If you want to be first, you've got to be content with being last. Now, let's just be honest with each other. Much of what we do in life, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's not going to matter next week, much less next month or next decade. But 
Anytime you are serving in the name of Jesus, no matter how small, no matter how small it might seem to you, listen, it still matters. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing, underline that word there, nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. What's he, what's he saying there? That, that it all matters. Even the, even the little stuff in our minds. Why? Because in God's eyes, listen, there's no little act of service. There's not. Now, sure, you know, we all like to serve in the lights, you know. We like to do the really big things that people seem to, to notice. But everything is great in God's eyes. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, 42. And if you give even a cup of cold water or even a roll of toilet paper to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. You see, it all matters. Now, the fact is, with our limited perspective, we don't always see how, you know, those small acts of kindness and love have big consequences, but they do. Real servants do every task with equal dedication because they, they know it all matters, seen or unseen. It's all important. Listen, don't ever mistake anonymous with insignificant. Just because it's unknown doesn't mean that it is unimportant. Real servants do every task as if it matters. Have you ever wondered why God brought you here, you know, to coastal, to be a part of, you know, the coastal family? I'll tell you why. You're here because God knew that you have something to give back. You see, he didn't bring you to be a part of the, the coastal family just so that you could sit and soak and enjoy. He brought you here to serve. He brought you here to give your life away. He brought you here to, to make an impact. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Friends, listen, you've been saved to serve. You've been blessed to be a blessing. You were created to make a contribution, not just to consume, consume, consume. God designed you to make a difference. And what matters is not how long you live. It's how you live. It's not the duration of your life that counts. It's the donation of your life. You see, when you boil it all down, we can do basically three things with our lives. You can waste your life. And there's a lot of ways to do that today. You can spend your life. And the advertisers will give you countless ways to do that. Or, or you can invest your life. And to invest your life means to use it in ways that will, that will outlast it. That will make a difference for all eternity. That will, that will leave a legacy for future generations and on into eternity. And one day, listen to me, one day all of us, we're all going to stand before God one day and give an account basically for two questions. The first one is the most important. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with him? Did you make him the Lord and Savior of your life? Did you place your faith in him? And once you get that question right, the next question is this. What did you do with everything that I gave you? 
What did you do with it? How did you leverage your time and your talents and your gifts? And how did you leverage the stuff that I gave you? I mean, are you going to say, well, God, I was a little busy. I was a little busy with, you know, my stuff and my agenda and my plans. I really never got around to, you know, to serving. Friends, I don't know about you, but more than anything in this, in this world, one day I want to hear my loving Heavenly Father say Matthew 25, 21 about me. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. Good, faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Listen, I want God to be able to say that about you. Well done, good, faithful servant. Come on in and enjoy all the rewards and blessings that I have planned for you for all eternity. Let's celebrate. Question. Is God going to be able to say that about you? That you spent your life serving others. Good job. Well done. Or, or are you just too busy? You know, you've been waiting for things to slow down. You've had, you know, other priorities. Listen, I make no apologies today in saying that the most important thing that you will ever do with your life is giving your life away in serving others. It's far more important than your job. It's far more important than your, than your hobbies. It is the most important thing you will ever do because all that other stuff, it is not going to last. But this is... You were put on this earth to serve Jesus by serving others. Now, is it possible to serve and still not have a servant's heart? Absolutely. You know, you can serve and volunteer uh, and have the wrong motive. You can serve or volunteer out of, you know, selfish ambition, just wanting to gain recognition, wanting to be seen by other people. You, you might even think, you know, you're kind of earning brownie points, you know, with God. You know, you serve out of guilt. In other words, it really is all about your heart. It's all about your attitude. So I want to share five quick serving principles with you today to kind of help us all keep our attitude, our heart in check. Number one, make sure your doing flows out of your being. Make sure your doing flows out of your being. Now, let, let me explain what I mean there. You see, the more you are blown away, overwhelmed, with God's grace and his love for saving you. The more your natural response is gonna, it's gonna be wanting to thank him. Wanna thank him with, with your life. And then serving others, doing those small unseen tasks, they become an honor, not a bother. You, you serve because you want to. You serve because you get to, not because you have to. You see, when you're growing in God's grace, you don't, you don't compare your serving to other people. You don't complain about other people because it's no longer about them. You see, it's about, about God and his love for you. 
So what's your attitude? Does it flow out of gratitude and grace? Number two, pray. Pray. Ask God, God, what good works have you prepared for me to do today? Exactly what the word says. You see, God has some good works prepared for you to do here with Coastal, you know, in our community where you live, work, and play. And, you know, what, pray every day, God, what good works do you have for me to do today? Let me ask you, where do you think the idea came from uh, for our Saturday uh, grab-and-go meal drive through Well, a, a little over a month ago when we were challenging everybody here at our church to, you know, to come up with something to do for Saturation Saturday. Saturation Saturday, that's the third Saturday here at Coastal every month where we encourage everybody from our church to, you know, wear their Coastal, their blue uh, Coastal Making an Impact t-shirt, and then just to go out into the community, come up with a creative way to serve and love your neighbors, to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And then when people ask you why you're doing what you do, you say, man, because I love Jesus. And here at Coastal, you know, we serve our community out of love. So like everybody else, I was praying, God, okay, you know, what do you want me to do? How can I serve? And God said, Chris, if you grill it, they will come. Okay, God, God didn't really say that to me. But I felt like personally, you know what, God was telling me to, to feed people. You know, I love to grill. Jan and I love to, you know, love to feed families. And I have a love for uh, the, the kids and the students and families over at Oakland Elementary School. And about that time, you know, school shut down. And uh, those families were getting meals during the week, uh, breakfast and lunch from the CCSD uh, grab and go. And so I felt like, wow, well, maybe, you know, I could do something on Saturday. And then the rest is history. And now just, just three Saturdays in, we have given away over a 1,000 meals. Pray. God, what good works do you have for me to do today? Number three, serve at work, school, and home. Serve at work, school, and home. This is huge. It really is. Servanthood has got to be lived out in just real everyday life, in the workplace, on your campus, and in your home. And I know right now, that's all the same place, right? You're working from home. You're going to school at home. But it is where we spend the majority of our time. And what I'm saying is, if servanthood doesn't work there, then you're really not a servant. And if that really is where we spend most of our time, where do you think most of our serving opportunities are going to come from? Where do you think we have the, the greatest uh, chance of making the biggest impact? Where we spend most of our time. Listen, you can't, you can't segment your life. If you're not a servant where you live, work, and play, then you're not a servant. I don't care what you do around here. Number four, be the one who stops and serves. Just be the guy, the, the, the woman who stops and serves. Be like the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. I'm, I'm sure most of you are familiar with the story. A guy gets mugged and left for dead on the side of the road. And listen to this. Two religious guys, right, religious guys pass him by and do nothing. What do they do? They wash their hands of the situation. Because in their minds, it was beneath them. Uh, they were too busy. Well, this really wasn't their job. It'd be a little messy. But then a Samaritan a Samaritan man stops and serves and takes care of this guy. Without any applause, without any recognition, he simply sees a need and he meets it. 
what was he doing? He was loving his neighbor. So what I'm saying is, hey, just take a deep breath and serve somebody where you live, work, and play who is hurting, lonely, and in need. In fact, let me give you a little surprise. Some of your greatest contributions in life are going to be those that are unplanned. You know, many times the greatest impact you're going to make on other people are going to be those um, spontaneous interruptions. Maybe from your viewpoint, they're accidental. But they're not accidental from God's viewpoint. Because if you'll just be open and available and say, God, use me wherever you want. Sometimes you'll have a chance just to give a little word of encouragement, a pat on someone's back. You'll lend a helping hand, and and it's those small things that will absolutely transform the direction of somebody's life. Those, Those little moments, those interruptions, they're divine appointments. Never miss the power of a moment to make a difference in somebody's life. And then finally, number five, just just jump in. Jump in and serve. You know, that's the best way. The best way to serve here at Coastal is just to jump on in and, and get involved. When God's spirit who lives inside of you tugs at your heart with a thought, with an idea for some small act of kindness, when the Holy Spirit puts just an obvious opportunity square in front of you, guess what you should do? Do it. That's it. Act on it. You don't need a degree. You you don't need a committee meeting. You don't need to call your pastor. Just do it. In fact, here's what I want you to do today as we close our service, before we sing our, our last song with the worship team. Right now, I want you to go to our online connect card. And I want you to scroll down to where it says, my next step today. There you're going to see all different kinds of opportunities that we have here to serve at Coastal and in our community and in our world. You'll see there we're, we're organizing volunteers to serve at the Low Country Food Bank. And more uh, now more than ever, they can use volunteers for that. Uh, you can actually drop off items here at our campus for Operation Christmas Child. Now that's a, a year-long mission at our church around the world. And uh, this year we have a goal of uh, wrapping and packing over 2,000 shoe boxes. And we're actually going to be writing Christmas cards that go in those shoe boxes. And if you'll come by the church, uh, we'll provide you with the cards to actually write those notes. And you can pick all of that up or drop it off uh, at the steps uh, here at our church. You can also drop off food for our food bank. Man, there's so many people in our community that are hurting and hungry right now. You can come over and help us organize our food bank. In fact, you don't even have to come here. You can actually take the food and the supplies directly to one of our five blessing boxes out in the community. And if you check that box, we'll send you the information about where those are located. You can come over and volunteer for our Saturday grab-and-go meal drive. Um, Now, obviously, we are going to be limiting the number of volunteers that are here, but over the next several weeks, if you sign up, we'll do our best to work you in uh, a shift. But here's one way everybody can help this week. Uh, Because this coming Saturday is Easter weekend, we want to give away uh, plastic Easter eggs filled with candy. And so we need people just to, you know, drop off those candy-filled Easter eggs throughout the week. And finally, I want to encourage you to give financially to our church. Listen, it really is your generous, consistent, faithful giving 
that enables Coastal to do all that we do here in the community and around the world. And as you can see from your screen, there's multiple ways to give online right now. You can give through our website, through our app, or text to give, 843-277-8337. That's our text to give number. It's safe, simple, secure. And like we say here at Coastal, it really doesn't matter the mode or the method of your giving. What matters is the motivation. It's not the how that counts, it's the why. It's your heart. And so today, don't give out of guilt, don't give out of pressure. Give out of love. Give out of worship, knowing that everything that you have is a blessing from God, and you want to leverage it for good, leverage it for the kingdom. So, fill out your online connect card. Let us know about any prayer requests or needs that you might have, and sign up to serve in any of these ways. And by the way, you don't have to be a member of this church to, uh, to serve or get involved. So whether this is your, your very first time tuning in or you've been a part of Coastal for a long time, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Listen, God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And he showed you the full extent of his love by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. And three days later, he rose from the dead to prove his power over sin and death and the grave. What about you? What have you done with Jesus? Have you placed your faith and your trust in him? Have you been born again? You can do that today. You don't have to be in a building to come to faith. It doesn't, doesn't matter where you're at, uh, where you're from. God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you, and you can start it today. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this encounter that Jesus had on his journey with his disciples, his friends, showing them the full extent of his love. And Father, thank you that he shows us that same love today. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin. Father, help us to, to serve the world around us. It's not about our services, it's about our service. Help us be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world today where we live, work, and play. And if you're here today and you have not yet placed your faith in Christ, you've not yet become a follower of Jesus, listen, you can do it right here and right now. It is as simple and yet as beautiful as a prayer. Just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit it. I've blown it. I have lived my life without you. I've gone my own way. But today, God, I want to come home. I turn away from all of that, and I turn in faith toward you and your son, Jesus. I do believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he went to the cross for me and my sin, and I believe that he rose from the dead, and he is alive. And I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. 
And for the rest of my days, God, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to become more and more like you now see me, forgiven, brand new, your adopted son or daughter for the rest of my life and on into eternity. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.